welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Let's pray. It's good to be here and just be in the presence of God with God's people. It's good to be able to enjoy singing songs to you. It's good to be able to just be in the presence of people that you feel like love you and who have been captured by the love of God. It's good to be in a place where we can slow down and pause and just remember what Christ has done for us. It's good to be able to sing, sing to a living God. God, in this room, you have placed people here that are all over the map spiritually. And in no way can, in 40 minutes, can one man speak to where everyone is at. But the mystery of preaching is that God speaks through people. And the God who made us can meet us where we're at today. And he is searching for us. And many of us came in here searching for him. And so in light of both of us wanting to have an interaction today, we ask that you would meet us. Meet us where we're at. Pull away all of the, all of the preconceived notions we may have about you or even have about ourselves and just speak to where we're at. Now God, I can't explain you. I can't explain the gospel. I just, there's no way my words can put it together. There must be a demonstration of your spirit and your power. And so God, I pray that you would not make this an explanation of you, but an encounter of who you are. Because people need an encounter. They need to sense that God is talking and that you would use broken people to communicate about a holy God. That is a miracle in and of itself. And so God, we today, we just, we sit back and we wait to hear from you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again. And uh, I miss you guys for a couple of weeks. So it was uh, good traveling a little bit. Um, I've got one announcement I want to make for you all real quick. Uh, we have a meeting that we're going to have for everyone serving on a servant team. And even if you aren't on a servant team, we want you to come to this meeting. It is called our dream team meeting. All right. It's going to be every first Sunday of the month. We're going to get together for dinner after church and we're going to have everybody sitting at a table. And we want you to be able to be in a place where you're helping out serving in some way. Now, don't feel condemned like, oh, I don't know where to serve yet. Don't, don't feel any kind of pressure. We just want you to come and enjoy and hear what God is doing. Right now, we're talking about building out a second location for the church, and we're adding in great ministry teams, and so we want you to be a part of some of the great things that God is doing. So that's going to be our dream team meeting that will be coming up April 3rd at 6 p.m. That's right after church, okay? 
Awesome. And of course, we got Easter. I don't think we have that announcement, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Well, we're, we're continuing our series called The Naked Truth, and that's about uh, relationships. And The Naked Truth is really the book of Song of Solomon, and it's two people talking about their relationship with one another. And it's been a really cool ride looking into how they talk to one another. Today, we're going to talk about how love needs to be put into action. And that's what you see in the text. You see people uh, speaking words of life and doing things for one another that would bless one another. You know, right now, um, I, I've noticed when I do counsel, um, people presume, like they go into the relationship and no one thinks they're going to be a jerk. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody thinks they're going to be a great person for the relationship. But what the thing that people don't realize is that there is a huge gap between intentions and actions. There's a difference between who I think I'm going to be and who I actually am in the relationship. And, and today we want to shorten that gap between intentions and actions. You know, sometimes I'm in my house and uh, I'll take out the trash, but some days I'll miss it. You know, I'll be taking out the trash and I'll get like a text message or something. And I'll look on the text and I'll be like, oh man, this is crazy. I'll start texting and I'll walk out and the bag will be like, I probably like almost tried to, to tie it, but I'll leave it in there, you know, and I'll leave out the house. And then I um, go throughout my day, and I come home, and my wife is like, hey, I thought you said you were going to take out the trash. And I'm like, oh, well, I was, but I got a text. And she's, like, waiting for the apology. She's just like, okay, so you didn't take out the trash. I'm like, but I meant to. <laughs> I wanted to. I intended to. And, and, and I noticed there's no bonus points for intentions. <laughs> my, my wife is wondering, why didn't you take out the trash? But, I, but in my inside, I'm like, but I wanted to. And what I've realized is that we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but judge others by their actions. And the reality is, you are responsible for your actions. Not just what you intend to be or what, you, what you're thinking or what you intended to say, but what you end up saying and what you end up doing in a relationship is going to be what makes it last. Not what you just intend, but what you do and what you say. Your life has been built on what people have said to you and done to you. The good and the bad. Your strengths have been built off of the good things people have said to you and the good things people have done for you. And your weaknesses, your insecurities, much of those have been shaped by the things people said to you and the things people did to you. And so our lives are shaped by words and deeds. And that's what we build a lasting relationship on. And I want you to know, I'm not just talking about marriages. Some of you are like in a, in a fake friendship space. And this is what I mean. You have people around you, but you don't really have friends. Like you operate in a crowded loneliness. Like you, you, you don't really know. And, and I, this is what I'm learning, especially in this generation in particular, that's so connected socially in media, but not socially in reality. Like, 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 like they don't know how to make friends. Like real friends. Like real connections. Like, like people you can really do life with on a deep, intense level. And part of that is that you, you, you're really not sure how to put in words uh, the depth that you need and, and do things for others, other people. And, and, and I can guarantee you that one of the ways that you build relationships is by being other-centered. And knowing people, people get to feel like they care, of, you care about them. And so today, whether you're married or you're single, this is going to be a very practical, practical message to help you to be able to develop lasting relationships. 
And the, the, the text is going to work like a movie. Like it starts off just kind of like them just talking, and then it all the way it goes to like the bedroom and gets a little crazy, all right? So we'll try to work that out. But, but the reality is that I want you to walk away here more confident and more skillful in building lasting relationships. Amen? Amen. Let's look in the Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's so interesting what he puts here. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this. He says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master's hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Look at what he's saying. If you understand the context of chapter one, what she said was, I've been working in the vineyard, but I haven't taken care of my vineyard. What she's saying in that, in that initial text was, I'm insecure about my body. I'm not very secure about the way I look. I've been working really hard in life. My brothers and my family, they haven't taken care of me, so I've had to do some things, and I don't look the way I want to look. And here comes this man, and look what he's doing. Listen, I don't encourage anybody to say a girl has a belly that looks like a heap of wheat. What I'm trying to tell you is what he says, every, every part of her body, he, give, he, he, he gives an analogy to something very valuable in their culture. In their culture, you know, jewels uh, well, it's still culture, this culture, jewels are valuable now. But jewels, mixed wine, heaps of wheat, fawns were beautiful. He's telling you everything on your body is valuable and beautiful. And where you lack value in yourself, I'm going to speak value into your life. That's what encouragement is, is when you give someone courage. You look at yourself and you look down, but I'm looking at you. And I see that, look, look, look what he says. You're, 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 listen, your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master's hand. Now, you think that's, not, that's just sensual. No, that's, that's speaking life to someone. It's not just sensuality. It's how you bless people. It's how you encourage people. And the Bible talks about in Proverbs that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The, the, the things that we say, do you hear that? Death and life. That you, when you talk, you're either bringing people down and making them feel less and making them feel bad. I was explaining that to my daughter today, the other day. She was like, oh, she heard somebody talking about it. I said, baby, basically when you talk, you're either making people feel bad about themselves or better about themselves. And, and what I'm saying is that if you want to create a space of friendships and you want people to start gathering around you, bless them. Speak life to them. Be an encouragement to people. And this is what I want us to notice. I think we have the slide. If, if you have something good, if you have something good, say it. If something comes in your mind about someone that's good, say it. If you notice that they've done something well, say it. So let's say that together. If you, if you think something good, what? If you think something good, what? If you think something good, what? Say it. Don't keep it on the inside. There is encouragement trapped in your mind. 
There is encouragement. There is someone in this room that longs to be encouraged by you, and it is trapped in your mind and in your heart, and they're longing for you to say it. And we tend to think if someone looks confident, they don't need my words. And the reality is, is that people, God has made us for one another. It's not just marriage. God has made us for one another. God has made those words that are inside of you for that person. And when you don't say it, you rob them of the encouragement that they so need. They so need. They, we, we need to speak life to one another. And if you think something good, we're going to say it. That's the kind of church we're building. That's the kind of marriages we're going to have. That's the kind of relationships we're going to have. We're going to be encouraging type people. But we don't have to make stuff up. That's the deep part, because we do some good things. So when you see something, you just say it. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's, that's, you know, one of the things that my wife and I, we've begun to do. And it, some of it was in preparation for the sermon, so I could sound authentic. But we, um, we did it. We did it. We were talking about it. I was like, man, how can we be more specific? How can we be more specific? And I noticed that when I leave out the house, we'll just say, I love you. You know, I love you. And then I noticed my wife would always say, well, why do you love me? I'm like, because you, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> why well, I got to, you know what I'm saying? It's 13 years. And uh, what I notice is that, what I notice is that people long for specifics. So what we started doing was not just saying, I love you, but now we say, I love you because. I, I love you because you are such a good mother. I, I love you because you are my structure. I I'd fall apart without you. I love you because of the, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you know this works. Bow. Okay. Listen, listen. I love you. I love you. Listen. And she'll say to me, she'll say to me, I love you. I love you because you have so much integrity. You're such a hard worker. Now, watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. I grew up being lazy. I grew up, I graduated with a 1.7 in high school. All right, I, I graduated. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have graduated, but I, I graduated at 1.7. In junior college, I barely did work. In college, I barely did work. I came to the Lord my senior year, my master's, while I was working my master's. It was such hard work, and so I have an insecurity about hard work, and I still have it. And even though I work hard, I still think I'm that lazy kid sitting on the bed five years old. So when my wife says, you're a hard worker, it's speaking to that little boy that's still inside of me. It's speaking to that deep insecurity that's inside of me. And so when she says, you're such a hard worker, it just, it blooms inside of me. I need to hear that. And what we have are people sitting next to one another that need to encourage one another. And so that's the kind of community we're going to be. We're going to be an encouraging community. And we're going to have encouraging marriages. Now, let me just give you some cautions. When you compliment people, compliment specifically because we tend to criticize specifically. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that when, when, when like, I'll preach and, and somebody will want to talk to me and they'll be like, hey, can I talk to you? And I know it's a problem. I know it's a, many of us, uh, you want to talk? Okay, let's go. Let's set up a time. And it's like, you know, we just need to talk because when you said this, because of this, and because of that. And I'm like, okay, because of this, because of that. And we talk, and it's all good. And I'm not saying that's not a problem. But it's so funny that people want to have meetings and get real detail when they criticize what I'm doing. But when I do something good, they're like, that was dope, and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
So we, but this is, I'm not saying something, this is you. I do this too. I do this to my wife. She'll slave over some food. I'm like, that was good. But if I have a problem with the way she talked to me, I'm like, see, okay, you got to understand, I work hard. You got to watch your tone. Like all these details. <laughs> but if you build a relationship on, on detail critique and complimenting in general, what it'll be like is that you only value the bad things about me. You don't speak to the good things about me. Put energy into the good things about me. Tell me what's good. And I, I don't mean to make this analogy about me, but I think it's a good, good, uh, a good way for you to see this. So people think because I sound confident, I am confident. But I'm not. I walk up here with trepidation every Sunday. People think because I'm older, I don't need it. And what I'm, I'm, I'm just using that as an analogy to say, if you'll do that with me, you'll do that with people you get used to where you see things over and over and over again. And what I'm just trying to encourage you to do is, if you see something good, say it. Be specific about it. Be specific. Now, here's the other thing that I think is important. When we don't say the good, we tend to think what's bad. Like, when you don't verbalize the good things, we just naturally, because we're humans, we just think bad things. You know, my wife will get a, a new outfit. She'll be looking fresh. And I'll be like, okay, let's go. And she'll be like. <laughs> you just, did you, do you, you see something? I'll be like, you look great. She'll be like, did you notice I bought this? I was like, oh, yeah, I saw the tag and it was cute. She was like, well, why didn't you say it? I'm like, ah, you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. And she may, she may, she may even think, do you still think I'm beautiful? Because that's the nature of the way the world works. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't say the good, you'll tend to think the bad. So we have to be people that build each other up. If you see something good, what are we going to do? We're going to say it. We're going to say it. So I, I want us looking for good things to say. Now, you ain't got to be fake. Don't be fake. Don't, build, don't make up stuff. But be authentic and be rich and be good and bless one another. All right. Now, um, if you're doing the slides, I'm going to move something up real quick. I do want to just make note of something about verbal. I, I talked about uh, several weeks ago about the men needing to protect uh, our women. Uh, they need to be protector, provider, and priest. But I just want to talk to the ladies just for a second. You know, women tend to be more verbal than men. And one of the things about that is that we live in a day and age and a culture where a lot of our, particularly our African-American and Caribbean-American, Latino-American women, um, they have not been built up enough. They have not had enough community around them. And so what tends to happen is that we, we produce very strong women, very strong women and very confident women, right? And so that's a good thing. Confidence is a good thing. But a man will love a confident woman, but he won't be able to deal with a competitive woman, a woman that is competing for him for the leadership of the home. And so what I want to do what I want to do is I just want to encourage you that, that when I say words, they speak, they speak life and death. This is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to see. W what I tend to see is that I see women who are strong, and they think because he's a man, he's strong. But God has made him for you, and he, and, and he has made you for him and your words for him. So... Don't think your words can't build him up, and don't think your words can't bring him down. Proverbs 18 puts it this way, better to live in the corner of a roof than to live with a contentious woman. 
So I just want you to understand what that means. What, it, what the text is saying there is that a man will go for a little while and then he'll start to become indifferent. And so a corner of a roof is like, the man is like, huh, well, honey, yeah, yeah, okay. And he, he, he ain't even fighting you no more. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right, okay. I'm going to be back in an hour. And he's just going to the corner of a roof, right? And he's just, listen, he's in his room. He's in his man cave playing video games. And she's like, you want dinner? He's like, I'm going to be out there in just a second. And he's just, what? Because a corner of a roof was as far away from his wife as he could be. And I'm just telling you right now, ladies, if you want to be verbally strong, you may win the argument, but you may, you may lose your husband. Don't think because that's what our, everything in our culture tells women. Just, you tell him, girl. <laughs> and I'm just trying to tell you, just listen to Uncle James. Listen. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Turn that stuff off. That is not of God. Just, I mean, I'm not telling you to just do whatever. I'm just, I'm telling you. You're in, in, a, in a relationship. You need to build our, we need, we need women that build our men up and not just put them in their place. And the more you do that, a man will become indifferent and he won't want to fight anymore. He'll just slowly find other things to do. And that's not the kind of home you want. And that's not the kind of relationships we want. And so the, the text speeds up after this. It's just amazing. Um, we talked earlier about um, intimacy and romance, and, and what we're going to see in the text is that romance is actually a byproduct of intimacy. That's what it actually is. These, these folks are being intimate. They're blessing one another, encouraging one another. It's really awesome. And so what we see here in verse 5, he says, he continues on and says, your head crowns you like Carmel. And he's talking about Mount Carmel. And so Mount Carmel was actually a, a mountain. And he's saying, you know, it's like looking at a majestic mountain when I look at your hair. And, and he says, you, you know, your flowing locks are like purple, meaning royalty. And a king is held captive in its tresses, in its locks. And so what he's saying is, when I look at your hair, the way you do it, I'm captive. And the word there would really mean like a, a prisoner in chains. When I look at your hair, I'm like a prisoner in chains. He's saying that you, the way you look, it makes me like your slave. He said, I'm so connected to you. I love you so much. And, and so the text speeds up even more. So then Later on, it gets a little, you know what I'm saying, about to get real. This is the Bible. This is the word of God for the people of God. Verse 6, it says, How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree. So he's saying, the way you stand, girl, is like a palm tree. It's awesome. So he's saying it's like a palm tree. He says, and your breasts are like the clusters. And I say, this is what he says, I say, I will climb that palm tree. <laughs> and lay hold of his fruit. Now, there's not much interpretation I need to do here. I just want to, I just, I just want to encourage the couples in here that you have a new phrase for that moment. You can say, it's time to climb the tree. And, sh and she can say, go get that fruit. All right. Now, you see that, right? So you see, you see the intensity there. 
Here's, here's, what I, here's what I want to say. I'm not just trying to make anybody uncomfortable. What I want to show you is that part of what our culture does is that it makes sex only physical. But what Rich talked about the other week is that we see that sex is about intimacy. It's about speaking into each other's life. And now there's this mood set and there's this connection because you believe in me and I believe in you and I love you and I'm all about you. And so there's, there's this intensity that gets built up. And then this is what she says in verse 10. I am my beloved's. And listen, his desire is for me. He wants me. He, he wants me. He's, he's built up my heart and my mind so much. The word desire there, used all throughout the Old Testament, it means to overtake someone or overthrow someone. So the word actually would be seen like if you were watching National Geographic and you watch the lion chase down like an antelope and just devour it because it's overpowering it. And so she says here, I'm my beloved. His overpowering primal desire is for me. It's for me alone. He wants me. I don't have to compete with anybody. His eyes are for me. He longs for me. And so you see the beauty in this is that intimacy has built up this moment where her confidence is there now. And she feels like someone really is focused on her. Even though she has this body, she feels like no one else would want. And so the intimacy has been built up and this connection is there. Um, this has been a beautiful picture of, of seeing things, but I just want to say something in, in this moment. Um, there's a, you know, I, I've, done, I've done so much marriage counseling, right? And I'll say something like this, and the wife would be like, I got, some, I, got some, I, got, oh, I got a question. What if you don't have nothing good to say? Right? What if our relationship at the place where there's just nothing good to say? And this is what I want to encourage you to do. Say what you want to see. Say what you want to see. You know, my, my husband, he is just not a spiritual leader. He, he's really weak spiritually. I say, okay, well, does he pray over the meal? Yeah, he prays over the meal. I said, okay, the next time he prays over that meal, I want you to act like revival just happened. <laughs> and I want you to encourage that brother because he, where he is spiritually is where you need to bless him. You see, a man will say, well, my wife doesn't give me enough sex. When was the last time she said, well, you encourage her and bless her for the time that was there. Say the life that you want to see, the world that you want to see. You see, what we tend to do is only speak to the things that aren't happening, and that doesn't encourage anybody. But when they, you know, my wife, she'll, uh, she's, she always wants me to wash the dishes, you know, and I'm, I'm running in and out of the house, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, and I'm like, ah, I forgot to wash the dishes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to wash these dishes. I'm going to wash these dishes, and I'm washing the dishes, and I'm just crushing the dishes. I'm crushing it. And she'll come in. Now, mind you, my wife's dealing with kids and all that, and I get it. But she'll come in, and I'm washing the dishes, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> see that, though? See that, though? You see that? Do you see this? Washing the dishes, yo. 
And I'm just saying, what I want is I want her to be like, hey, you are doing a great job with the dishes. I want to be noticed for the things that I'm doing, right? And, and it's not just her fault. It's things that I do too. But what I'm saying is say what you want to see. If you want to see something more, say that. Because we, the, the fact of the matter is your spouse already knows the facts. You don't need to tell them what they're not. They know that. You need to speak into what they can become. God has placed you in their life to speak to what they can become, not to just who they are. We know who we are. Now, there's many of us that need a fact check. I get that. But that's our tendency. We need to be future-oriented and bless each other. Now, what I've said about relationships and marriage is what you need to do in your life. For those of you that are lonely and you don't feel like you actually have friends and you don't feel like you have a connection with people, I can tell you two things that are going to build relationships for you. Listen to people and encourage people. I can, I'm telling you right now that will, people will want to start talking to you because they'll know they'll be heard and they know they'll be loved. But the people that you constantly take over a conversation and you don't listen and you, are, or you're, you, you, you always tell the truth, those people wind up very alone or you isolate yourself. So I'm, I'm encouraging you. We cannot be a church built off fake friendships or things that look like a friendship. We must be built on actual relationships where we are caring for one another listening to one another, encouraging one another, and the people sitting next to you have been placed in this body to be blessed by your encouragement, by the things that you say. So don't keep it in your mouth. Don't keep that in your mind. Say it. And say it specifically. And that will bless a marriage, and that will bless a relationship, and that will bless this body. Now, the other thing I want to say before we go is... If there is something good you want to do, do it. If there is something good, do it. Let's say that together. If there's something good, what? If, there's some, if you think something good, what? If you think something good, what? Yeah, say it, do it. I get you. Praise God. <laughs> say it, do it. Yeah. So both of those are good, right? But you need to, if you think something good, you need to do it. Now, I don't have a lot of time to unpack all of this, but I want to just say a couple things that happens here. Look here in uh, verse 13. She is now talking. And as she begins to talk, she says this. The mandrakes give forth uh, fragrance, and besides our doors all are all choice fruits. Uh, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, oh, my beloved. What she ends up saying, if you look in the earlier verses, what she ends up saying is, hey, let's go away to the villages and let's get away and let's just be together. And she says, let's be me and you. Let's carve out some time together. But she says in the midst of this in verse 13, I've got some mandrakes. And then she says later, I've laid them up for you. Now, mandrakes were considered an aphrodisiac. They were a fruit that was intended to enhance sexual desire and also meant to enhance fertility. 
And so the minute that he heard, you have saved up some mandrakes, that would be a tip off to him. When we go away, we are going to be together, 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 all right? The real intimacy, all right? Now, when, he, when she says that, that sparks to him, oh, wow, she's setting that up for me. All throughout this text, this man is basically always talking about her body, wanting her body. She is being encouraged, but he is longing for her. So because she knows what he wants, she does something to fulfill something that she, he would long for. So he says, I've got some mandrakes. Now, mandrakes in our day would be putting on some perfume and putting on a type of dress and putting on a type of music, but setting the atmosphere and setting the mood. But the principle you take out of that is he longed for this. He wants this. And so I do this for him. My wife, um, the other day, uh, I've been doing a vegan, like a pescatarian diet for Lent, and uh, I normally have a protein shake. And so my wife was like, you know, you should get some, uh, you know, vegan protein. I was like, yeah, I need to do that. And I just haven't done it. You know, I've just been hustling and traveling and stuff. I came back from Charlotte the other week, and an Amazon Prime box comes in the house. I'm like, okay, cool. We got some Amazon Prime, something, some books or something. And I open it up. It's a vegan protein shake. And she pulls it out and she says, baby, I got this for you because I knew, listen, I knew you would want this. So I got this for you. It would have been enough if she just thought it and said, you know, that would be nice to do for you. That would be good. But she took the time to sit down at the computer, order it, make sure that it was going to arrive at a time when she knew that I could get it. That's what we call being thoughtful. My wife was thinking of me, but we don't call people thoughtful because they think good thoughts. We call people thoughtful because they do good things. You see, and, and if you want to, listen, and I'm, I'm just trying to encourage you, for those of you that want to build better relationships, I'm not just talking about sex, I'm not talking about marriage, I'm saying, if you want to build better relationships, be a thoughtful person. Think of people, Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, that you would put others' interests above yours. And you say, hey, I just want to, you know, I, I heard, uh, you know, you, you like sports. I was wondering if we could go over here to this bar and watch a sports game just to get some time with you. Oh, you knew that's what I would like? And you would do that for me? You were thinking of me and that led to an action and you're going to carve out time for that? Even if they can't get that time, they'll think of you differently. It's by being thoughtful. You think good things, do it. You think good things, say them. And your life right now has been built on the things you do and the things you say. You want to build relationships around you, do and say great things. And people will gravitate to you. People will want to be around you. Encouragement is trapped in your mind. Great things are trapped in your mind. Do them, say them. Now, I want to say one last thing, and this will kind of deal with the sexual nature of this. Um, notice what this woman does. She says, hey, listen, I've got some mandrakes, and I know that this is what you would want. Ladies, I'm going to come back to you again, praise God, and the guys. This is kind of a moment that is intense. Again, Rich talked about sex and sexuality the other week. I just want to come back to this point one more time because um, we may not always do Song of Solomon. We may not always do a relationship series. So I just want to verbalize this and kind of put this out there. Um, sex in a relationship isn't just a benefit of being married. It is 
necessary for your marriage. It is necessary. See, sex comes across in the culture as kind of a sport that you do, and that's cool, and that's great, and it's very physical, but sex in marriage is more of a spiritual discipline. It's not just, you know, filled with lust and desire and passion. Sometimes you have to pray to want to. And so 1 Corinthians 7 captures this, and I know um, Rich talked about this earlier, but can we look at that? I I just want to read this. I just want to read this and put this out there. This is going to be like, this is not just about sex, but this is about other things too. Do not deprive each other except, except perhaps by mutual consent, meaning both of you have come to this conclusion, and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So there may be a time where a husband and a wife aren't together and they're praying, but that's uh, what it says is it's uh, just for a time, all right, an agreed upon time. Then come back together again so that, listen, Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And what the text is getting at there is is that when a husband and a wife are in the marriage bedroom, those moments where the wife is just like, ah, I just don't want this. And the husband's like, ah, I got to deal with this again. Many of those feelings of pushing sex away is part of a spiritual battle. Satan. See, what Satan wants is for you all to be sexually frustrated. Not because you need to just feel good in the, in the sexual sense. Satan is in the business of destroying relationships. Satan is doing everything he can to destroy intimacy. He's doing everything he can to frustrate relationships. So what he will do is frustrate a husband to the point where he doesn't even want to ask anymore. But there are a thousand images right down the way on his phone. Satan will frustrate a woman to the point where she's just like, he doesn't talk to me and he doesn't care for me. He just wants sex in terms of the physical side, but he doesn't want sex in terms of the intimacy side. He doesn't hug me and he doesn't, he doesn't touch me with non-sexual touch. And I just feel like this is just a, a moment. This is not special. So I don't want to do this tonight. And Satan, he begins to tempt that wife, maybe not with another man, but with this feeling like the relationship is just not going the way she wanted it to. You see, there's a third person in the bedroom. And Satan is wanting to get your eyes somewhere else and get you to lack self-control and fulfill it somewhere else. Because Satan is in the business of destroying intimacy. And what I've said, and it may sound humorous, but what we've said, my wife and I, we've read this verse on our bed at night, and we've agreed sex is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. I need the Spirit of God to bless me and encourage me so that I can do things that would encourage my wife, bless my wife in the bedroom, and the same thing with my wife for me. It is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is not just about the physical. It is spiritual. I just want you to, I just need you to hear that. Sex is spiritual. It's spiritual. It is a connecting of you two intimately, and you need the Spirit of the living God to bless your sexual life. Now, for those of you that are not married, I want you to see that there. Satan is trying to destroy marriages through sex, 
by people not having it. But let me just reverse this. Satan is trying to destroy you singles by getting you to do it now. Satan wants a couple to get the least amount of sex so that they're not intimate. Satan wants singles to have the most amount of sex. So that you are teaching your body variety. So just hear me when I say that. For singles, Satan wants you to have the most sex you've ever had. Married, he wants you to have the least sex you'll ever have. Because he don't care. It's not about sex. It's about destroying unity. He doesn't care about your sex life. He cares about destroying your spiritual life. He hates the people of God. And he hates it when there's joy in your life and unity in your life and prayer in your life. He hates that. He hates it when you encourage one another. He hates it when you're thoughtful towards one another. He hates it. And he is committed to you being silent about encouragement. He's committed to you not being thoughtful. He's committed to that. But we will not be a church where Satan gets the victory. We will be a church that will be victorious. We will be a church where our married couples are intimate, not just sexually, emotionally, relationally. We will be intimate in that way. And our, our singles, we're going to build great friendships. We're going to be great at that because we're going to walk away from here and we're going to be intentional about saying those things that would bless people, doing those things that would bless people. And know if you feel like, oh, I just feel like I can't do it, look back to the cross and look what was done for you. Where someone said, someone said something. He said that he came to give life and more, life more abundantly. He said it. But then he gave his life. And he gave his life for you. And he loved you at your worst. And he loves you at your worst. And we will be a church that does this not because we are surrounded by people that are all that, but because God has done so much. How could we not forgive people? How could we not bless people? said so many great things about you. He's done so many great things for you. Do not deprive one another from the blessing of encouragement, of being thoughtful. And when we do that, when we do that, people will look around and we'll live out John 14 and we'll be known for how we love one another. Like, I want to be a part of that. You guys love each other so well. I was just hanging around. I came to church and I heard all these people encouraged. It was, I was a drunken encouragement. I couldn't get away from the encouragement. I want to compete with bars. Bars are the place you go to to be accepted. I want to compete with bars. I want to compete with the club where people can feel free in themselves I want to compete with those places so people can come here and be themselves and know, you know, I'm not going to stay this way. I'm going to grow. I'm going to change. But these people love me. And we will not be a church that's crowded and lonely. We'll be crowded and full, full of the Holy Spirit, full of love for one another. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
putting us in a place to encourage one another, to be thoughtful to one another, to bless one another. God, we thank you for the couples that are just going to walk out of here and bless one another, encourage one another. We thank you for the friendships that are going to walk out of here and bless one another, encourage one another, and be thoughtful one another. God, we thank you that we are a church that is going to be thoughtful and caring, God. We thank you for the people that will come into a relationship with you because they saw the love of the church. We thank you for all the people that will be surrounding the couples and in this church and they'll be in neighborhoods and they'll be like, man, look at the way that couple loves one another. Look at the way they talk to one another. Look at the things they do for one another. And our marriages will be pictures of Christ in the church and our friendships will be full and rich. And in the end, people won't talk about this being a great church. They'll talk about the great God the great God who gave himself for people that weren't so great. And in the end, your name will be praised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.